0: Welcome to the election ride home for Wednesday, February 24th, 2020. I'm your host, Jackson Bird, with a summary of election news. Today, the Nevada caucus results are in, candidates respond to Sanders' lead, there might be Russian interference in the Sanders campaign, and a new poll shows Warren bouncing back. It's five days until the South Carolina primary, eight until Super Tuesday, and 253 days until the general election. And here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. With 96% of precincts reporting, it is official that Senator Bernie Sanders has won the Nevada caucus. John Ralston of the Nevada Independent posted the final numbers to Twitter this morning, and they are as follows. Sanders, 46.8 percent. Biden, 20.4 percent. Buttigieg, 13.9%, Warren, 9.8%, Steyer, 4.6%, and Klobuchar, 4.2%. With 46.8%, Senator Sanders won more support than the next three candidates combined. You likely heard throughout the weekend starting as early as Saturday afternoon that he was predicted to win. The Intelligencer reports that according to entrance polls, Sanders was, quote, carrying every age category other than seniors, who favor that other late septuagenarian Joe Biden, while winning over half of Latinos, nearly half of self-identified independents, and running second to Biden among African Americans. The Intelligencer continues, Despite a much-publicized flap with the state's largest and most powerful union, the Culinary Workers Union, Sanders also carried the union household vote handedly and conspicuously won several Las Vegas Strip precincts catering to the culinary's membership, end quote. Biden's team is feeling pretty good about their far second-place win. Campaign manager Greg Schultz pointed out all of Biden's demographic wins, African-Americans, voters over 65, and people who oppose Medicare for All, and said on Twitter Saturday, quote, make no mistake, the Biden comeback starts tonight in Nevada. Biden's team, of course, has been putting most of their eggs into the South Carolina basket. So despite losing to Sanders by 26 points, this second place win does tee him up decently for the South Carolina primary on Saturday. Pete Buttigieg's campaign, meanwhile, has called the whole caucus into question. According to the Nevada Independent, the campaign sent a letter to the Nevada State Democratic Party just before midnight on Saturday, quote, alleging numerous errors in how early vote totals were folded into the caucus day process. The campaign is asking the party to provide early vote and in-person vote totals by precinct, correct any early vote and second alignment errors identified by campaigns, and explain other anomalies in the data before releasing any final caucus results, end quote. At the time of the letter, with about half of precincts reporting, Buttigieg was in a close second with Biden, so they sought clarification on, quote, irregularities and a number of unresolved questions we have raised with the Nevada Democratic Party. The Nevada Democratic spokeswoman Molly Forgey said in a statement Sunday morning, We never indicated we would release a separate breakdown of early vote and in-person attendees by precinct and will not change our reporting process now. As laid out in our recent guidance, there is a formal method for requesting a change of results." Though she came in fourth place with just 9.8% of the vote, many Warren supporters are saying early voting might have actually hurt her chances because so many voters had already been to the ballot box before her standout performance at the debate last Wednesday. Her campaign manager, Roger Lau, said on Twitter Saturday, Quote, the Vegas debate shook up this election. The Warren vote share appears to have gone up more than 50% between early vote and those who caucused today. Vox summarized findings from the Washington Post entrance polls, saying, quote, Warren performed better among voters who decided in the last few days compared to those who had decided prior to that. Of the late-breaking voters, 19% chose Warren, while 12% of earlier voters did. That seven-point jump is the largest any of the five front runners experienced, although it's worth noting that Warren did not come first or second with either group of voters end quote. It all might seem like a lot to quibble over for second, third, or fourth place, considering Biden, Buttigieg, and Warren weren't even close to tying with each other, let alone Sanders, once all was said and done. But those are the kinds of numbers and details that several of the candidates are pointing to in order to defend not dropping out just yet, despite Sanders' overall strong win in Nevada. Does all this mean the competition is over and the nomination belongs to Bernie Sanders? Well, we're only three states in, and depending on how you split hairs, he's either won all three or won two and tied one. While it's still early days, it is a strong start for sure, and one that seems to have taken some folks by surprise. Here's how the other candidates as well as some pundits are reacting. Writing for the Intelligencer, Gabriel De Benedetti says, given the general agreement among anti-Sanders moderates that the field needs to shrink, why won't anyone drop out? To start, De Benedetti says, none of the candidates want to get out before any of their peers if they can still conceive of some slither of a path to victory. No one apart from Sanders has an especially convincing case to make about what his or her victory would look like, and each camp acknowledges that the party isn't split into clear pro and anti-Sanders lanes like many pundits imagine. After all, the Vermont senator is widely popular in the party, so he would likely continue to pick up a substantial share of support from any candidates who stepped aside. Still, all the campaigns are convinced they are the one that's best positioned to take Sanders on one-on-one. End quote. Democratic strategist Adisu Demissi told The Intelligencer, I do think there's a difference between winning 35% of the delegates and winning 45% of the delegates, and that's basically where we're at right now. Is there going to be someone like Obama was in 08, not a majority but so clearly ahead that it's a foregone conclusion? Or a muddle in the delegates like the state results? De Benedetti continues, No candidate is publicly admitting that they're hoping for a muddle. Each still professes to see a path to victory. But some candidates' aides are still wondering, under their breath, whether they should be actively preparing to compete on the second ballot at the convention in Milwaukee. A second ballot could occur if Sanders' final delegate total is too small to carry him to the nomination on the first ballot. Bloomberg's aides have quietly started wooing elected officials and other superdelegates with this specific scenario explicitly in mind. End quote. While many of the candidates might have been privately considering the possibility of Sanders building up a powerful plurality for a while, his success this weekend in Nevada seems to have blindsided a number of moderate Democrats and pundits. Matt Bennett of the center-left group Third Way told Politico, "...in 30-plus years of politics, I've never seen this level of doom. I've never had a day with so many people texting, emailing, calling me with so much doom and gloom." Adding that he believes a Sanders primary win would seal Donald Trump's re-election. Quoting Politico, "...it was not just Sanders' victory, but the lopsidedness of the outcome that struck fear into moderate Democrats." In one day, Sanders proved that he could broaden his coalition beyond the narrow base that many assumed his limit would appeal, End quote. Meanwhile, over on MSNBC, coverage of the Nevada caucuses was sprinkled with shock and dismay at Sanders' lead. Quoting Business Insider, Host Chris Matthews on Saturday compared Sanders' win in Nevada to Nazi Germany gaining control of France during World War II. Matthews described the Vermont lawmakers' expected win and step towards the party's nomination as something of a catastrophe for the Democratic Party. Matthews even argued moderate Democrats may rather see President Donald Trump win a second term than vote for Sanders. James Carville weighed in later on in the coverage, quote, This thing is going very well for Vladimir Putin right now. Other hosts piled on throughout the coverage with less extreme but still shocked commentary. Many viewers, both Sanders supporters and not, were taken aback by both the host's surprise at Sanders' lead and their seemingly hyperbolic reactions. Ryan Grimm of The Intercept summed it up dryly on Twitter, saying, MSNBC is going to be must watch TV the next few weeks. It seems like anyone, MSNBC anchors, pundits, or the general public who was hoping for a different outcome in Nevada, is feeling the pressure mounting. Most of the candidates, however, do remain optimistic and we'll look more concretely at their prospects in South Carolina as the week goes on. After a long weekend of caucus results, this news already feels outdated, but it did break just Friday afternoon and I felt it was worth mentioning in case anyone else's push notifications quickly buried it with headlines about Nevada and the coronavirus. On Friday afternoon, The Washington Post broke the news that U.S. officials have briefed Senator Bernie Sanders on attempts by Russia to interfere with his campaign. Writes The Washington Post, The disclosure of Russian assistance to Sanders follows a briefing to lawmakers last week in which a senior intelligence official said that Russia wants to see Trump reelected, viewing his administration as more favorable to the Kremlin's interests, according to people who were briefed on the comments. In that closed hearing for the House Intelligence Committee, lawmakers were also told that Sanders had been informed about Russia's interference. The prospect of two rival campaigns both receiving help from Moscow appears to reflect what intelligence officials have previously described as Russia's broader interest in sowing division in the United States and uncertainty about the validity of American elections, end quote. The Post also noted, quote, it is not clear what form that Russian assistance has taken. Senator Sanders responded to the news saying, quote, I don't care, frankly, who Putin wants to be president. My message to Putin is clear. Stay out of American elections. And as president, I will make sure that you do. He continued, in 2016, Russia used internet propaganda to sow division in our country. And my understanding is that they are doing it again in 2020. Some of the ugly stuff on the internet attributed to our campaign may well not be coming from real supporters. When questioned by reporters about why the news, which was briefed on over a month ago, was just released, Sanders said, I'll let you guess, about one day before the Nevada caucus, why do you think it came out? Vox acknowledges that the timing of the news could affect Sanders' performance in South Carolina and Super Tuesday, writing, Even as he condemns foreign interference, the report about Sanders could cause some Democratic voters, engaged in the three-dimensional chess game of trying to guess who their fellow voters might prefer before they cast their own vote, to see the senator as vulnerable, and therefore less electable, weakening his base of support. And weakening the candidacy of the Democratic frontrunner could be part of Russia's endgame. U.S. intelligence agencies stated definitively that Putin had, quote, a clear preference for President-elect Trump in 2016, end quote, and a 2019 report by the Republican-led Senate Intelligence Committee concluded the same thing. Further, Vox says, Russian meddling is concerning because it muddies the waters and could leave voters unsure of whom to trust. Interference could also give anyone fertile ground to contest the outcome of American elections in general. As a whole, it undermines trust in the entire election process at a time when institutional trust has been weakened. David E. Sanger writes in the New York Times, If you are trying to sow chaos in a vitriolic election, Mr. Putin can hardly hope for better than a face-off between an incumbent with a history of race-baiting who is shouting America first at rallies while suggesting that the coming election is rigged, and a Democratic socialist from Vermont advocating a drastic expansion of taxes and government programs like Medicare. Victoria Nuland, speaking to the Times, summed it up, Any figures that radicalize politics and do harm to center views and unity in the United States are good for Putin's Russia. End quote. I'll end this by throwing a bit of cold water on the whole situation. From the New York Times, quote, The intelligence reports provided to the House Intelligence Committee may make the American understanding of Mr. Putin's plans sound more certain than they really are, according to intelligence officials who contributed to the assessment. Those officials caution that such reports are as much art as science, a mixture of informants, intercepted conversations, and intuition. Intelligence is hardly a perfect process, end quote. If you really want to get into the weeds on this, however, and also get refreshed on what happened with interference before and since the 2016 election, I do recommend reading David E. Sanger's full analysis in The New York Times called Same Goal, Different Playbook, Why Russia Would Support Trump and Sanders. Link in the show notes. Okay, it's time to commit. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. There was a new national poll from CBS and YouGov out yesterday that has Senator Elizabeth Warren jumping all the way to second place, no doubt in part due to her fiery debate performance last Wednesday. The poll is as follows. Sanders, 28%. Warren, 19%. Biden, 17%. Bloomberg, 13%. Buttigieg, 10, Klobuchar, 5, Steyer, 2, and Gabbard, 1. Quoting CBS, Just 42% of Democratic primary voters have definitely made up their minds at this point. Democratic voters see Sanders, 57%, and Warren, 53%, as the candidates who will fight the most for people like them. End quote. An interesting finding on the progressive versus moderate Democrat issue, quoting CBS News, 54% 54% want the party to advance a more progressive agenda than the country had under President Obama, while 46% favor a return to the way it was before Mr. Trump took office. Sanders leads among the first group, while Biden leads among the second. Axios also notes, quote, while Warren underperformed in the first three states, her strong debate performance in Nevada last week may have given her campaign new life. Referencing the CBS YouGov poll, Axios continues, 50% of respondents to Sunday's poll said Warren's performance in recent debates, including Wednesday's where she ripped into the billionaire Bloomberg for his history of sexist remarks, impressed them the most out of any candidate. Axios also adds that the Warren campaign has raised $14 million in the 10 days since the New Hampshire primary. To put the whole poll into a larger context, however, it also showed that 65% of voters nationwide believe President Trump will be reelected in November. Quoting Axios again, Senator Bernie Sanders fares the best in a head-to-head matchup against Trump, but the margin appears slim no matter who the Democratic nominee is. According to the poll, if Sanders were the nominee, 47% of voters would vote for him, while 44% would vote for Trump. The margin gets slimmer from there, going Biden then Warren, with Buttigieg ending in a tie with President Trump and Klobuchar and Bloomberg both losing to the president. With the last couple of debates having spurred such a change in sentiment and fundraising for a few of the candidates, I'll be curious to see what happens at the debate tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow, there is another debate happening already. This one will be tomorrow evening, Tuesday the 25th at 8 p.m. Eastern. It's hosted by CBS News and the Congressional Black Caucus Institute in partnership with Twitter. All six of the candidates who appeared in the Nevada debate last week will be back, plus Tom Steyer, with 18% in the YouGov national poll, has officially qualified to attend the debate as well. There are also even more CNN town halls tonight and Wednesday. All seven of the candidates who have qualified for the debate in South Carolina on Tuesday will be participating in individual, one-hour-long town halls in Charleston. With Tom Steyer being added last minute, the lineup has changed around, so if you arranged your schedule to see a particular candidate's town hall, be sure to check your local listings again before you tune in. It looks like the official lineup as of recording is Sanders, Buttigieg, and Steyer tonight, Monday the 24th, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. And then on Wednesday, the 26th, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern, we will hear from Bloomberg, Biden, Klobuchar, and Warren. And that is the election roundup for the day. As Glenn said on Friday, he has had to move on to other obligations, so I will be taking over. Huge thanks to the very talented Chris Higgins and Glenn Fleischman who stewarded the podcast so well. I am totally thrilled to be joining the crew and keeping all of you up to date on election news. You can find Election Ride Home on Twitter at Election Podcast or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Election Ride Home. Thank you all so much for listening and have a great rest of your day.